Jesus, we thank you for the opportunity again to bask in your presence tonight, Lord, as we press in and get close to you again, Lord, I ask that you would help us not only hear from you, but Lord, would you help us to be extra aware that it is you who are the one that is speaking to us. It's in your name I pray. Amen. Amen. Take your Bible or device and turn with me to John chapter 5. We'll be there in just a second. John chapter 5. I've shared with you this morning, many of you have have come with the knowledge that we are going to have a healing service tonight. Somebody say, what is that? Well, we're just going to look at God's Word. We're going to see what God's Word has to say to us about healing, and we're not going to wait any longer. We're going to move right into that together, ending with a time of calling on the Lord for His healing, emotionally, relationally, financially, physically, crying out to God. And this isn't something that we just conjured up or that we just like to do. This is something that Jesus was actively a part of and not something that Jesus did just once, but he continues to do over and over again. Look with me at John chapter 5. I'll be starting at verse 1, reading these 14 verses together. I'll read out loud. You read silently with me. Sometime later, Jesus went up to Jerusalem for a feast of the Jews. Now there is... In Jerusalem, near the Sheep Gate, a pool, which in Aramaic is called Bethesda, and which is surrounded by five covered colonnades. Here a great number of disabled people used to lie, the blind, the lame, the paralyzed. One who was there had been an invalid for 38 years. When Jesus saw him lying there and learned that he had been in this condition for a long time, he asked him, do you want to get well? Verse 7. Sir, the invalid replied, I have no one to help me into the pool when the water is stirred. While I'm trying to get in, someone else goes down ahead of me. Then Jesus said to him, Get up, pick up your mat and walk. At once the man was cured. He picked up his mat and walked. The day on which this took place was the Sabbath. And so the Jews said to the man who had been healed, It is the Sabbath. The law forbids you to carry your mat. But he replied, the man who who made me well said to me, pick up your mat and walk. So they asked him, who is this fellow that told you to pick pick it up and walk, pick up your mat and walk? The man who was healed had no idea who it was, for Jesus had slipped away into the crowd that was there. Later, Jesus found him at the temple and said to him, see, you are well again stop sinning and or something worse may happen to you the man went away and told the jews that it was jesus who had made him well i want to commend you uh, tonight on doing something this weekend that is very healthy while millions are seeking a healthy uh, retreat to get away if research is correct you have made a very healthy decision in being in church this weekend The studies have shown that people who attend religious services are healthier than those who don't. Drake University, a few years back, and their scientists began a study to research why this appeared to be true. They took blood samples from 1,700 people and asked them about their church attendance. People who went to services weekly had less of a substance that signals a weakness in immune system than those who rarely went. 
the researchers suspect that religious involvement boosts immunity by reducing psychological stress they put in their study. Of course, we know that there's much more than psychology involved. God inhabits the praises of his people. And when the healer shows up, you can't help but have him bring healing and hope into your life. That was the case when Jesus, God in the flesh, walked this earth. And in the verses that we have just read together, we discover that when the healer showed up in Jerusalem, he brought with him the power to heal. And our confidence is the same that that same Jesus who healed then is the man who can heal us today. Fully God, fully man. The one who healed the cripple is the one who can heal us. John tells us that upon arriving in Jerusalem, Jesus made his way to this pool of Bethesda, which in Aramaic was translated really house of mercy or pool of mercy. It received this Name because of the superstition that surrounded this particular pool. Beneath the pool was a subterranean stream that periodically would bubble up and the waters would be stirred. The belief was that the disturbance was caused by an angel and that the first person who would get into the pool would be in the stirring of the water would be healed from the illness that they had. This was understood as a manifestation of the very mercy of God. Thus the name, the mercy pool. Consequently, those who were sick, those who were lame, those who were paralyzed, constantly visited the colonnade surrounding the pool. It looked more like an infirmary than it did a temple. And Jesus' heart, so moved by compassion, observed not only their physical ailments, but their spiritual ailments as well. Instead of looking for God's mercy in the waters in this subterranean pool with the stream coming through, now the very living water had just been shared with the woman in chapter 4. This very living water was in their midst and they had no idea how close healing was to them. Jesus, longing to liberate them from their physical and spiritual bondage, was right there before him. He evidently asked Some who were gathered there at the pool, who has been waiting the longest to receive healing at this pool of mercy? He was directed to this badly disfigured frame that lay limp, helpless alongside this pool. I can envision Jesus walking over to him, kneeling down, looking at this sad man, looking at his eyes, this man who had been paralyzed for 38 years. And Jesus asked him this simple question. Look in your text there. It's in verse 6. Jesus asked this question, do you want to get well? Sometimes when I read scripture, I think, Jesus, you're so insensitive. This is not the kind, right thing to say. What, what do you think? Of course he wants to get well. He's there laying at the pool of Bethesda. He's there at the mercy pool. He's there where those come for healing. What do you mean, do you want to get well? On the surface, it sounds as if Jesus is begging the question, adding insult to injury. Why else would this man be lying there? But Jesus has an important reason for asking this question. You see, Jesus only helps those who want to be helped. I think a key thought for us tonight is we call on the Lord for His healing. We need to remember that healing requires hope. It would not be too difficult to suppose that after 38 years that this cripple would lose hope of ever being healed. 
day after day, week after week, month after month, year after year, seeking this healing. And for 38 years, not seeing any change, it would be easy to see how his hope would diminish. Especially as he bore witness to all those around him who seemed to receive healing, yet his ailment never was relieved. It can be that some here tonight, you too are dangerously close to falling into the pit of hopelessness. You may have concluded that there's no hope for my situation. I'm paralyzed in my circumstances. I'm tired of getting my hopes up only to be disappointed again. I give up. I quit. I I just don't have hope. Friend, there's good news for you tonight. When Jesus shows up, there's always hope. You may not have hope, but He is hope. He is the difference between genuine hope and our mere wishful thinking. Put your hope in Him and His purpose, not in your own wishful thinking or own desires. Second, we see that through this question, Jesus is getting at the fact that healing requires change. Do you want to be made well? There's this inferring that there will be change. Do you want to have this change? I think a second reason that Jesus could have asked this crippled man this question is that he knew after 38 years in this crippled state, it could well be that this lame beggar no longer wanted to be changed. After all, if he was healed, if he was cured, he would have to shoulder the burden of making a living, of holding down a job, of supporting his family. And healing requires change. It requires assuming new responsibilities. Sometimes it's just easier to try to limp along with our own disability than to embrace the change and the responsibilities it brings through the healing of God. Change, even good change, can cause stress. Good stress. It requires us assuming a greater responsibility. And as long as you and I are content to stay right where we are, we don't want anything to change in our life, what we're really saying is, Jesus, I I don't really want to be made well. Because if you move in my life, it will cause change to take place. Could it be the third reason that Jesus is asking the question, do you want to be made well? is that healing requires faith and us to speak out in that faith. This wasn't a trick question that Jesus asked the crippled man at the pool of mercy. It was a question designed to expose in what or in whom he had placed his trust. Was he trusting in man's superstition? Or was he trusting in the living God? Friends, around this topic of healing, I think we do the same thing today. Either we are struggling in doubt if God did heal, or we move to the other pendulum and we seek out certain people, we seek out a particular faith healer, we seek out a particular leader that we feel like they have the goods, and so I'm going to put my faith and confidence in that person, and I'm going to drive as far as I can, I'm going to do whatever I can to get to that person, because there must be healing in them. And we look for faith in that man or in that woman. We place our trust in a particular doctor, a particular method. We place our trust in in medical technology ultimately. And then only then when that faith healer has not seemed to produce and when the medicine has not seemed to produce, then we cry out to God in prayer as a last resort. Yet Jesus calls us to go to him first. 
It is Jesus, the very living water, there in the midst of the pool of mercy who has so much to offer and yet so many are focused on the thing that is not helpful when the thing that is so helpful is right in front of them. Friend, every single time that God heals, whether it is by natural means or supernatural means, it always comes from the Lord. And so as we are seeking healing, we need to make sure that we are seeking Jesus. We are seeking the very Lord's, the very Lord, our God's touch, not our own structures of what we think that could be. You see, often, by life experience, we see that the Lord moves in a natural way physically. But He is not limited to only work through medicine that he's entrusted to doctors and nurses, he too can bring a supernatural healing. And when he chooses to do that, we need to recognize we are calling on him, not on a person, not on a format, not on a tradition. We are calling on God himself. You see, the arena in which God brings healing, natural and supernatural, is always in the arena of faith in Him. Not just faith in something. It's not how sincere my faith is. It's the focus of my faith. I could climb up on the top of the roof of this building. I could come to the edge and I could sincerely believe that I could fly. I could flap my wings. I could take a step back. Not too far because it's like a slanted roof, but I could take a step back and I could leap off and flap. And I could sincerely believe with all of my heart that I would fly, but I would sincerely be wrong. And then all of my weight would come flat smack to the ground. It's not in how sincere my faith is. It's in the focus, the direction of my faith. I would sincerely believe that, but I would sincerely be wrong. But when I am placing my faith in Jesus, my sincerity is important, yes, but my focus is even more important in who I have faith in. Why did Jesus ask this crippled man this all-important question? The same reason that he is asking us the question today. He wants to know if you have real living hope in his promise he wants to know if you are willing to embrace the change that his transformation would bring he wants to know that if your faith and trust is in him and him alone and if you've answered yes to this then you and i can look to the next part and see the command that he gives this man it was first to him but i believe the lord can speak to us through this as well let's look at jesus's command it's in verse eight his command comes in three parts the first part of his command notice what he says Get up. Jesus knew that if this man never tried to get up, he would never experience the healing he needed. As long as he laid there in self-pity, blaming and complaining, he would never experience the healing power of God. As this man made effort to obey Christ's command, made effort to get up, God's healing power came and flowed in and through him and healed his paralyzed body, bringing new life to those dormant muscles and strength to that disfigured frame. What does this say to us? See, God's healing comes directly as a result of our obedience to his command. When we grovel in self-pity, when we refuse to take captive negative thoughts and we bring them under the Lord's uh, command... We, if we don't do that, we stifle God's healing and transformational work in us. Remember, 
Whenever Christ commands you to do something, he will always give you the strength, the power, the ability to do it. If it's Jesus who is saying, get up, he will give you the power to do so. Jesus told the man to to get up, and we see the second part of his command is to pick up. Why was it important to Jesus that this man pick up his mat? I believe one reason could be that here this testimony of radical change in his life could be made evident by the very thing that was a symbol of his, his deformity, of his crippledness, of laying down on this mat over and over again. Now as he held it in his hands would be a testimony that he no longer was under that condition. God had brought healing to him. It was a testimony of this is what it used to be and this is now what God has done in my life. See, he transformed us from this debilitating, uh, paralyzing forces in our life and gives us the symbol of his grace in our life when healing takes place. I believe Jesus commanded this man to pick up his mat not just for a testimony to the Lord, but I think also, secondly, to help us to be a reminder that we are so dependent and weak without his power. In fact, later Jesus warns him, stop sinning or something worse will happen to you. Pride, selfishness are always looking for a way to enter into our heart. We need to constantly be reminded that the pit of sin and despair and sickness that he pulled us out from, we were powerless to do in our own strength. Just as Paul had a thorn in the flesh that was a constant reminder to his weakness and the Lord's strength in his life. So now this man who carried this mat had a reminder that he in himself is a paralyzed, crippled man. But by the power of God, he was able to get up, take up his mat, and then the Lord called him to walk. Jesus knew that even though this man had legs that had been healed... If he didn't walk, he would never regain the strength that God had put healing in his legs to have. The same is true for us. It's one thing to receive God's healing grace. It's quite another to walk in God's healing grace. It's one thing to receive the gift of healing. It's another thing to walk in the gift of healing, to be obedient and move into that. Could it be that this is what Jesus was seeing when he said, get up, pick up your mat, and walk? The obedient service of this man was a testimony to his healing. Friend, I'm convinced that for someone here tonight, the Lord has a message of encouragement and hope for you. I believe the Lord prompted me to share this message today because there's some of us here today, just like this man who was crippled for 38 years, we are on the edge, dangerously close to losing hope could it be the thoughts that race through your mind after so many years after so much disappointment i've lost all hope friend jesus comes to you today and asks the question do you want to be well how rude jesus i'm here but he's saying what do you want me to do for you he's calling out call on me first not second not third not last come to me first put your hope in in the healer not in the healing he is your hope and you will never lose hope if he is your focus others like this crippled man maybe tonight you are afraid consciously or subconsciously of the change that that type of radical transformation would bring in your life 
Oh, the thought of not having that ailment, the thought of being free from that pain, the thought of not having that crisis in your life sounds good, but the thought of radical change in your life, I'm not so sure I want that. Jesus wants to bring total and complete healing in your life that will require change and our openness to Him doing what He wants to do. Jesus comes to you today and asks, do you want to get well? Are you willing to accept the new responsibility of the transformation I want to bring in your life? Still others, like this crippled man, are afflicted today with Satan's deadliest weapon of unbelief. Thoughts come into our mind. Is there even really a God? And if there is a God, he must not care at all about me because of what I'm walking through. Friend, Jesus comes to you today and asks, do you want to get well? Take captive those thoughts of doubt, of self-pity and blame, and place your trust in the one who is worthy of trust. Get up, pick up, and walk. Get up off your mat of despair and discover renewed hope in Jesus. Pick up your mat and pick up everything that symbolizes your weakness and become a conduit for the Lord to work in your life. Put legs to your faith. Walk. May it even be some faltering steps, but you are doing your best to walk in obedience to move in the healing that he wants to bring for you. As I was praying about tonight, sometimes the very roadblock in our mind is, why does God choose to heal some and not others? Oh, I could talk longer about this. I could teach some more on this and give some ideas. But the real bottom line answer is I don't know. And anybody who tells you they have the pat answer, I would argue they don't know either. (laughs) I know with all of my being that Jesus heals. I know with all of my being he doesn't always heal the way I want him to. Every case... Every case of divine healing that takes place on this earth, barring Jesus coming back again, will end in death. How's that for being encouraged? Unless you live until Jesus comes back, no matter how many times he touches you, you you will ultimately, in this world, we will pass away and be with him. So the ultimate purpose in healing is not so I have everything I want. It's not so I have no trouble in my life. Jesus said in this world you will have trouble. Count on it. Bank on it. But take heart, I have overcome the world. So why would Jesus heal? There was many he passed by that he didn't touch. The Lord brings glory to himself. The Lord chooses to touch us in miraculous ways. Some of us tonight, he wants to bring healing in a natural way. Some of us, he wants to bring healing in a supernatural way. And for many of us, the Lord's going to bring healing in a way that's not our favorite. I want to come back to the text for a minute. Look at the last part of Chapter 5. I really didn't want to preach on this. We've got enough time. We could pray. We're done. But, but then I wouldn't be obedient. And then, then I'd be in trouble. Look at the response of the Jews. 38 years. They had to know this guy. Wish we knew his name. 38 years. Sitting at the pool. Me, me next. Me next. Oh, I'm a little too late. Over and over and over again. He's up and walking. What's their first response? Who who told you to carry your mat? We don't do that. This is Sunday. Friend, you can be in the very presence of a miraculous move of God and completely miss it because it didn't happen the way you want it to happen. 
Now, I want to share this in love, loving correction, okay, this is love, and in encouraging instruction for some of us. We say, Jesus, it's a pool of mercy. This is what our tribe has had. This is what we do. We go dip in it. And when the waters stir, we go in and do this. This is how it needs to happen. And, and Jesus says, just, just get up, take up your mat and walk. Thanks, Jesus, this is good. But could, could you help me just cut in line and let, let's go do this in the water? We have to ask ourselves the question, is our hope in our perceived healing or our hope in the healer? You could be in the midst of a supernatural move of God and you can completely miss it. Some of us have healing emotionally and spiritually pending right now that I believe the Lord is going to usher into your life. But you could miss it if you fixate on your agenda, your plan, how you have always dreamed this would take place. And Jesus might want to say, oh, good idea. Nope, I'm going to do it like this. And until our hearts say, Jesus, I want what you want more than what I want, we will not see his move. We may see some other kind of move, but it won't be his move. The good news is, you and I always want the move of Jesus over our own. Friends, it happens more often than we think. I witnessed a friend today. Friend, we had miracles today. 27 people were sanctified holy today. Amen. Hey, hey, this is not a man or a woman. This is not a church. This is Almighty God saying, I will sanctify you to myself. I had a friend talk to me today and say, you know, uh, Pastor Bray, we should have done this. We should have done that today. Took everything in my skin to just kind of stand there and, and say, I love you. I want to say... How about Jesus doing a miracle in your midst? It's okay if your agenda didn't happen. Yes. We're going to move into a time of healing. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. It's not in the power of me or you or this church or this faith tradition. It's the power of Almighty God. We're not after having all of our troubles taken away. That would be nice. But I'd be a false teacher. I'd be leading you down a really bad path. We don't seek healing just to get all the things we want. What are we going to do? Well, we're not going to do it the Church of the Nazarene way. Though that's, that's, this is the Church of the Nazarene way. But it's not because what the Church of the Nazarene has done. We're going to do it God's way, which the church has modeled after. James, chapter 5, verse 14. Is any of you sick? He should call on the elders of the church to pray over him and anoint him with oil in the name of the Lord. The prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. The Lord will raise him up. If he has sinned, he'll be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous man is powerful and effective. As we say, Jesus, we don't want our own way, we want your way. We want you to take sin out of our life. So, so get this, I can't have God's healing power in my body. I can't have God's healing power in my emotions. I can't have God's healing power in my finances. I can't have God's healing power in any area of my life if I still want to be in charge. <laughs> it doesn't happen this way. That's sin. That's pride. That's not what he wants. So part of what we're seeking is, Jesus, we want your agenda. So we're just going to do what Jesus asked us to do. As we anoint with oil, this isn't hocus-pocus stuff. A symbol of the very power of the Spirit, following with the pattern of the, of the gospel. 
We want to say, Jesus, we're calling on you first. So if you're here tonight, and you would like to be anointed for healing, for yourself or someone else, I want to invite you now to come join me at these altars. Any place at these altars you want to kneel, come kneel. If you can't kneel, I want you to sit on the front row over here. We've got this whole front row completely open for you. You just come sit and we'll anoint you there. But if you would like to be anointed, you come now. Go ahead. Don't wait for someone else. Come now. Come now. Very good, very good. There's room to my left, your right, at this far altar. Plenty of room on the first couple rows here if you need to sit. If you can't be, be kneeling, that's fine. If you're sitting here, we'll know you want to be anointed. Very good. I'm going to ask if Pastor X, Pastor Edgar would come help me. Come, come help me here, brothers. Chuck, I'd like you to help me as well, would you, brother? Very good, very good. And here's what I'm going to ask my brothers to do. This, this text in Scripture says, come before the elders. It, it doesn't mean those who are credentialed, though that's a good thing. That, that's something else. It means those who are mature in their faith. Okay? This is not about a hierarchy. This is not about any of that kind of stuff. This is about those who are mature in faith. And we're going to pray the prayer of faith as we anoint with oil. But there are more elders in this room than just the three, four of us. If you are here and you have not already come down and you have faith in the Lord, you have been healed, you have seen God's healing, and your faith is strong to pray tonight, I want you to come and gather around a brother or sister. Come get around them. We're going to pray together. Okay? Just get around them. You don't have to, like, hang on their neck. That's okay. You can just put your hand on their shoulder. That's okay. Pastor Rex, will you take this altar over here? Pastor Edgar, will you take this altar here? Very good. I'm going to ask these leaders who I've appointed tonight to softly, tenderly come to you and ask you the question of Jesus. Do you want to be made well? Duh. I came down. Hey, this is Jesus' question. The second question I'm going to have them ask you, each person, each time, friends, what do you want Jesus to do for you? Help us to know how to pray. Okay? If it's of a nature that you can't give the details, you can just say, I need physical healing tonight. I need financial healing. I need emotional healing. I need spiritual healing tonight. That's okay. But if you want to give us the details, we want to pray specifically. So I'm going to ask Pastor X, Pastor Edgar, Chuck, help me with this. Let's, let's begin to move down. We're going to pray a prayer of healing here in just a moment all together. But let's ask these questions. What, what do you want Jesus to do? Do you want him to make you well? Let's begin to ask this of our brothers and sisters tonight. Go ahead and do that right now. My friend. You want Jesus to make you well? 
as your brother is asking you these questions, while you're waiting to pray, I want you to just talk to Jesus about this. It's one thing to tell Edgar or, or, or Rex or, or Chuck or Brady these things, but it's another thing to tell Jesus. You just tell Jesus what you want him to do. You just tell Jesus that you want him to make you well. Then we're going to pray together. We'll do this together. Okay, friends, as you have told that person, if you want Jesus to make you well, as you have told them what you want Jesus to do for you, as you have told Jesus, now I'm going to ask that my prayer leaders will move down, we'll pray a prayer of faith, we will anoint you with oil, and remember our focus is on the healer, not the man, not the format, we are focusing on Jesus, and let's claim his healing together. Now if you're gathered around a person, I want you to pray, if you know how to pray, you pray with that person praying, let's call...
Church, this is good. 
As those are continuing to pray, I want you to just prayerfully support from your seat. We're going to hear a word of testimony and praise here in just a minute, but I want you to continue to pray. When you're done praying, you can go to your seat, but continue to pray. Church, here's what I'd like us to do. Right in the midst of healing, the enemy has not changed. He's going to bring opposition. He's going to sow seeds of doubt. Someone's going to say something stupid to you. Have you ever had someone say something stupid to you? If they have, I want you to point them out in this room. No, no, don't do that. That'd be embarrassing. Friends, We have all been guilty of saying something that's not helpful. We've been recipients of things that aren't helpful. Here's what the man did. In the face of this complete missing of Jesus' miracle, he just went back and told him Jesus did it. Here's what I would encourage you to do. As you are claiming Jesus' healing in your life, if there's those that you love or maybe those that you're trying to love around you that speak words that are discouraging to you, just start talking about Jesus. Here's a great tool. Just say, who's Jesus to you today? Well, I want to tell you about a problem I see in you. Oh, thank you. That's so good. Talk to me about Jesus. What do you see him doing? Here's what I see him doing. Just change the subject back to Jesus. Just focus on his agenda. It's amazing what will happen. Somebody in this room needs to hang on to that tonight. As you have been praying this prayer of faith for healing, you need to start talking about Jesus more. And we're not going to hang out here too much longer. If you have to go, you're always free to go, but but I believe there's some in this room, you have experienced God's healing. You don't have to prime the pump, you don't have to make it up, you don't have to make up a story. You've experienced God's healing. Some physically you've had healing, some emotionally, many spiritually you've had the healing of God. And here's what I want you to do, okay? We're not trying to shorten God's work, but we want nuggets of encouragement to build our faith, okay? So in a paragraph... I want you, all you need to be able to say is, this is what Jesus did for me. This is where he brought healing in my life. And you can share that. We want to fill our hearts and minds, focusing on Jesus, what he has done. And we're going to pray a prayer of thanksgiving and we'll exit into the world and step into healing. But I have a brother I know who wants to share about a, a moment of healing in his life. But if there's someone else, you be ready. I want you to share how God has brought healing for you. Brother Paul? I'd stand up. Yeah, stand on up. Yeah, what's Jesus done? I'm going to hold it here for you. Go ahead. All right. Um, first of all, nothing is too hard for God. And we have to start with Him. Now, my wife was alive and fine eight, eight almost nine years ago. And I had to go in at the doctor's request to have a biopsy. 
after they had gone on a thyroid. So God saw fit to cause that test that they first started to do to abort the, uh, the biopsy. And it was just 10 or 15 days later that Ruth fell or started to have the surgery and all the steps that she had, which led to her falling. God took that away. Now, a year ago right now, I was discovered to have prostate cancer. So I had 45 treatments, which ended in December. I came out with zero, undeterminable problem. Amen. Now, I'm now faced with surgery for my thyroid on a parathyroid, and that is a different kind than truthful thyroid. Anyway, the convincing factor, I have no perceivable symptoms, but the doctors are, keep telling me, you have the seed of cancer in your body, and the biggest thing that controls that is your thyroid. Now that it's zero, it may not always remain zero. Yes. So I'm between an immediate surgery and whatever the ter period may be to have continue to arrest the zero cancer. God has answered all of those steps. I praise him. Amen. Because I ask, you know, God did not heal. Christ did not heal anybody if they didn't ask for something or took some action. Take your hand out of your chest. Lift your mat, you know. Even the man that was lifted down from the house by the four, he endured the transport from the other side of town. And all that being lowered into the, into the yes. presence of Christ. So we have to do all we can possibly do in asking God to heal us. And he will provide. Amen. Thank you, brother. Did you hear that? Disciples, listen well. We need to be good listeners. Jesus touched my brother with a thyroid issue eight years ago at a moment when there was all other crisis going on around the Lord healed him of cancer. And now with a, another issue with thyroid, he's trusting the Lord for his healing again. The Lord is our healer. Yes, yes. I have two. Um, the first most recent was in January. You preached a sermon on about your thought life. And um, I went forward. I, could, I didn't want to go forward, but I felt like I needed to go forward. And I almost felt like it was futile to go forward because I've always seemed to have this struggle over and over in my life with my thought life of negative, you know, thinking and how it can grow. And I knelt at the altar and I was literally just said, Lord, this is a, if for this to change, it's going to be a miracle. And this morning as you were preaching, it hit me again. I've not had that issue since January. I mean, I've thought of it periodically, but praise God, that has something that has been lifted off of me. And so I praise Amen. God for it. The second physical healing, I've had a physical healing. Back when I was a teenager, I developed two vocal nodules on my throat. And I could no longer sing. And um, my mother took me to a throat specialist, and he looked down my throat and said, Oh, yeah, she's got two vocal nodules. She needs to go on vocal rest. Well, I was a talker. Boy, was that tough in high school. But I was carrying my little scratch board. I, you know, I was trying to write things down. And month, once a month, we would go to see this doctor. And they weren't going away. And mom says, well, we're still praying. And the doctor said, maybe she should have surgery. And everything we'd heard, this was back in the 80s. And that was like really bad news. 
like you're not going to sing if you have surgery. And mom said, we're going to just keep praying. And so we went, we were praying about it. And we thought, okay, this next visit is it. Folks, they were gone. That next visit, both nodules were gone. I can't imagine my life without singing. So, folks, when I sing here, that's a miracle that you're seeing that God performed a long time ago. And I still want to give him praise and thanks because they just didn't go away. They went away because God touched me. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Did you hear this? This is for someone here tonight. I think I heard my sister say, I was thinking negative thoughts. I was bombarded over and over again, and I almost didn't want to come forward. What's the use? I prayed about this over and over and over. But the Lord stepped in and brought healing to her mind, healing to her thoughts. We give praise to Jesus. Amen? I don't know if we got it. Jesus healed the mind, healed the body of cancer, healed a throat of nodules. I think you can sing. I heard it this morning. There's praise given to the Lord. Jews, they're healed and they just talk about the Sabbath. Woe is us! We're hearing reports here. God, would you lift up our faith? We don't have to conjure something up. We don't have to to try to force something to happen. He's already done it among us. What we're doing right now, we're pointing to Jesus, okay? Because as we leave here, we're going to need to remember what has Jesus been doing? He's been doing it on somebody else. You've had healing in your life. You want to give testimony of what Jesus has done as we are claiming his healing in others. Who else wants to testify? You've seen Jesus bring physical, emotional, spiritual healing in your life. Anybody else? Yeah, yes. Well, I'm a visitor here, but my cousin goes here to church, Brad Beck Alexander. When I was nine years old, I was in serious condition. He took me in St. Joe Hospital, not knowing if I would see another day. And I thank the Lord this evening how that. There was a hole in my appendix, and I didn't know what it was. The doctor, Geraldine Bumgardner, just passed away a year ago. She said, we'd have to have prayer before we do this. We did, and that night, they was able to take that piece out. And I got well within two days. I was out. I couldn't have eaten for three or four days. But, you know, about a year later, I got another condition that was really yellow, a yellow jaundice condition, a liver condition that is very serious. And I had that for a couple weeks. And we prayed, and the doctor said, we don't know what will happen to you. But, you know, by the end of them couple weeks, they gave me some medication. They didn't know if it would work. But, you know, God touched my body. And here I am today at 73 years old. Still doing great. Amen. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. That's good news. I got more good news for you. This is the last time you're a visitor. Now you're family. So you can't be a visitor anymore. Very good. Yes, yes, Brother Jim. Yes, yes. I'm holding here for you. Tell us. Well, now I got several chapters to this story, but it involves the same people. All right. You've got the same condition as me. So as you tell the chapters, give us the summary of the chapters. This is good. By 1955, I was living in Goshen. I went to see a sister living in St. Mary's, Ohio. And got down there and talked to her briefly and, and uh, gave her and uh, 
First John, that we can know. She says, I don't have it. Well, let's pray. And we did, and she says, is that simple? <laughs> well, I went back to Goshen, and a few days later, I got a letter from two other sisters that had responded to an invitation in the evangelistic service. Yes. So they received Christ about the same hour, the same day that yes. Mary Ellen had. Well, Mary, Mary Ellen delivered a baby a few weeks later. And within a matter of weeks, that baby had turned blue. Whew. That's rough. And uh, I was going down to Goshen, going to see Mary's to see her. And all the way down from Goshen, I was praying to God out east of Fort Wayne here, headed for New Haven. And I emphatically told the Lord, it wasn't right. That shouldn't happen to her. And this baby in Christ. And I went down and told her, I says, I talked to Heavenly Father. And Doug is going to be all right. And uh, today he's preaching the gospel. Amen. Praise, Praise the, Lord. the Lord. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Jim. Thank, Thank you. I heard this right. Mary Ellen, is that yes. right? Mary Ellen, we've had the, 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 the reciting of the miracle of salvation in Mary Ellen's life. And then here when her child was, was sick and ill, turned blue, the Lord put faith in Jim's heart and a prayer for healing. And now not only is this young man alive, he is preaching the gospel. Some of you have been healed. You have been touched by God. Part of that responsibility we talked about, part of that change is you are forever marked by Almighty God. You can't quit talking about it. When do you get sick of it? When do you get tired? Well, that's enough. Thanks, Jesus. We've got to keep praising Him and thanking Him for it. Well, we could continue on night after night after night, but I feel impressed. I want you to leave with an assignment to tell someone else what you've seen Jesus do around you, Okay? As we pray together, we're going to transition to whatever the Lord has for us next, but I'm confident that he's going to give you a divine appointment tonight or tomorrow to talk about what you've seen and heard here. Don't let a day go by where you don't tell someone of what the miraculous thing you saw God do. You just heard of of physical healing, salvation, spiritual healing, emotional, mental healing. We've been praying and crying out to God for some of those. He is moving in our midst. That's not the way I wanted. It's not the way I hoped. Went too long. It's 716. We stop at 705. Anybody? Hey, friends, we want Jesus' agenda, not ours. Amen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay? He is doing amazing things. Some of you, you could go home and celebrate 27 people who have been sanctified wholly by Almighty God today. Eternal kingdom work has been done today. We can go in confidence that He is faithful. Jesus, I thank you for my brothers and sisters. I just sense a a spirit of openness to you tonight. And and this here, the cream of the crop, those who are, are pressing into your presence, Lord. 
I pray that you would encourage us, strengthen our faith. Lord, as you fix our eyes on you, as we retell the story of how you brought salvation to our heart, as we retell the story how you have sanctified us holy, as we retell the story how you have brought healing physically, emotionally, relationally, financially, and all these ways in our life, Jesus, we give you the glory and praise. Now, Lord, as I prayed with one a moment ago, we pray a Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego prayer. My God can save me from the fire that is threatening me, but even if he chooses not to, I will serve him. He is faithful. So, Lord, I, I confess right now, I don't know why you don't heal physically every single time. But, Lord, I know that the more I pray, the more I see, the more I trust, the more I opens up for what you're going to do. So, Lord, I pray that you would bring encouragement to my brothers and sisters. Some you will give grace that is sufficient. Others, Lord, you will give a natural healing. Others, you'll have a supernatural healing. So, Jesus, as we leave tonight, we are hanging on to faith. We've come into your course with thanksgiving and praise, and we are leaving with faith and testimony of what you have done, what you are doing, and what you are yet to do. In the powerful name of Jesus, I pray. Amen.